Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Good evening, my Mysterians and fans of all things strange. This is Terry from Texas, your presenter on Terry's Mysterious Moments. Let's get into this week's story. Alaska, the largest state in the United States, is many things to many people. In places, it is almost a pristine wilderness, and it is filled with natural resources and untamed lands. But with the isolation and the vast areas free from human habitation comes its fair share of spooky stories and unexplained happenings. One of them is from the Portlock Village in Port Chatham Bay only 124 miles south of the state's most populous city, Anchorage. Nobody lives in Portlock now. In the 1940s, the village was abandoned after the occupants were attacked and in some cases brutally killed by something which came from the woods. The stories of what attacked the small salmon canning settlement mostly revolve around a large and hairy beast that haunted the dark spaces beyond the tree line at the edge of the village. Whatever it was, it was extremely aggressive and deadly to anyone caught out on their own. What was this creature? That is still to be definitively proven. However, the locals had a name for it. The Portlock Sasquatch. What happened at the village of Portlock? Sasquatch, or more commonly referred to as Bigfoot in the United States, is perhaps the most famous cryptid in history, short of maybe the Loch Ness Monster. Stories of this giant bipedal man-ape wandering the vast forested territories of the Americas has been around for centuries. And Sasquatch or Bigfoot is not only in the Pacific Northwest and Alaska, he's Florida, Texas, New York, Minnesota, Ohio, all over. However, these stories generally paint a very different picture to what happened at Portlock. Bigfoot is almost always reclusive and shy avoiding human contact at all costs. Although the sheer size of this beast draws stories of aggression and danger, it is mostly known through the traces it leaves behind, hair snagged on foliage and of course its big footprints. Which is not to say that North America does not have dangerous animals which exist beyond a doubt. Bears, wolves, big cats, 
They roamed the continent, and the people who settled at Portlock to make a life for themselves would have to have been tough indeed. The village, established by Royal British Navy Captain Nathaniel Portlock in 1787, was in an unexplored and wild part of the country. It was a true frontier of America, and only the hardiest would survive. At first, the settlement thrived. Salmon was plentiful in the bay, and a cannery operation was established, attracting seasonal workers and bringing in money. The first of the strange occurrences started in 1905, when people from the village were harassed by a large animal, which bothered their camps in the night. The work continued in the next season and the cannery workers came back, but the issue remained and whatever was out there returned as well. In addition, various groups of gold miners and hunters used to head to the mountains for their work. Some of them never came back, but accidents were not uncommon and nothing was proven until 1931. That year, a local woodchopper alone in the forest was found murdered. The man had been killed by a single ferocious blow far more devastating than could have been inflicted by a single human being. This incident was scary enough to traumatize the entire village. What was out there? The murdered man was only the first sign of an unknown threat in the woods surrounding the village. A group of hunters out stalking moose came across the giant footprints of some big animal. The area around the footprints was torn up with tree branches destroyed and blood found at the scene. But the trail of the moose ended abruptly there, and of either animal, there was no further sign. The size of the found footprints was more than 18 inches long. Whatever had attacked the moose, it was the only set of tracks leading from the site of the attack until they were lost in the rock-filled terrain. Soon, other such footprints were reported around the village, and worse. A resident of the village happened to see a huge and hairy man destroying the fish wheels used to process salmon, and that man described it as looking like a devil. The fish wheels were near the beach, away from the witness's shack. The resident rushed to get his gun, and when he returned, he saw the beast staring at him. Was it a moment of feeling your innards shivering? I would think so. Then the beast suddenly walked away without harming the resident. Was this the same creature? The sightings became common, and uneasiness began to prevail in the village. These were not people who were easily scared by wildlife, and furthermore, they would be well aware of the local predators in the area. This could not be some bear, or else they would have identified it as such. This was something else. A bear could have done the damage, to be sure, but the inhabitants of Portlock would have known what a bear looked like. And then, bodies started appearing around the village. Many were washed into the bay from the rivers that fed it, suggesting that the people, trappers and miners, 
had been surprised and killed in the hills and forests above Portlock. As the local population started recovering bodies, speculation regarding the deadly beast started to rise. Fear took root in the population at the loss of so many lives, and people started to leave the village. The cannery plant posted armed guards to attempt to keep the cannery open, but it was no use. The last residents fled Portlock in 1950, and the village lay abandoned. Whatever lived in the woods above Portlock and whatever had killed all the people, it had won. But was it a Sasquatch? Teddy Roosevelt, the 26th President of the United States, wrote stories of his childhood that include a counter with Bowman, a seasoned trapper in Idaho. Bowman told of an encounter with a huge, hairy creature which attacked him. He barely escaped with his life and he was convinced that it was a Bigfoot. Roosevelt also wrote an account of the finding of a trapper's body. The body was partially eaten by an unknown beast that left human foot tracks in its wake. But such stories, although consistent with the accounts from Portlock, only allow speculation as to what happened in the Alaskan settlement. They fit the facts, but they require the existence of a sustainable population of huge apes sharing a landmass with hundreds of millions of people without a single piece of concrete evidence as to their existence. For some, this is a step too far. But the events at Portlock are not so easily explained. Something was killing the inhabitants and leaving their dismembered corpses to be found by the villagers, washed up on the banks of the bay or out in plain sight, left where they had been killed. This does not match the behaviors of many known wild animals. Bears are certainly large and strong enough to do the damage seen by the villagers and would be attracted by the salmon canning plant but the footprints and eyewitness accounts dispute this. The people of Portlock knew what a bear looked like, and this was no bear. Wolves would not attack healthy humans in daylight for almost any reason, and big cats would also slink away into the forest rather than dismember human beings. So what can be said for sure about the attacks? The creature from the scant eyewitness accounts was large and covered with hair. It left large tracks which matched a human's foot of great size. It was strong enough to kill and dismember a grown man. And it lived in the remote wilderness of the North American continent. Sounds like a Bigfoot to me. What say you, faithful listeners? Do you believe in Bigfoot? I do. I also believe in the Yeti, the Yowie of Australia, and the other big animals, for lack of a better term, that appear around the world and are grouped in with the Bigfoots. I think there's much more out there that we don't know. We are not the masters of our place. What defines the Pacific Northwest in the popular imagination. Surely, 
a mix of stereotypical images come to the average American's mind. Serial killers and indie rockers and strong coffee and liberal politics. But there's the piece de resistance. Mr. Bigfoot, our famous hidden resident, the world champion hide-and-go-seek, social distancing champion. It's one of the Northwest's most familiar in-jokes. Sasquatch can be found on hipster mugs and t-shirts, and hairy beasts roam the streets on Halloween. A popular music festival is named after the creature. But does all this exist because we, because we believe Bigfoot exists? Or does all this exist because we don't believe Bigfoot exists? As a result, it's been largely forgotten that intrepid investigators in these parts took the mystery seriously for years, tracking giant footprints and collecting reports of freaky whistling noises heard in the forest. No one knows for sure when the Northwest Bigfoot legend truly began, but the most successful launching pad for the public's obsession with it is known. A battle that supposedly took place in a narrow gorge on the east flank of Mount St. Helens. The gorge is now called Ape Canyon. That's where in the summer of 1924, a group of gold prospectors stumbled out of the woods, shaking and glassy-eyed, to tell of seven-foot-tall, ape-like animals attacking them with boulders. Fred Beck, Gabe Lefevre, John Peterson, Marion Smith, and Smith's son Roy described coming upon guerrilla men near where they had built a small cabin for their gold hunting forays. They claimed they were eight miles from Spirit Lake when they encountered four of the giant animals moving through the forest with erect, human-like strides. They were covered with long black hair, the Oregonian reported, relating the descriptions offered by the men. Their ears were about four inches long and stick straight up. They have four toes, short and stubby. The witnesses estimated each animal weighed 400 pounds. Taken aback at the sight of the huge beast, Fred Beck fired his rifle at one of the creatures and Apparently struck three times, the wounded animal toppled off a cliff. Beck reportedly claimed years later that another member of the party fired shots. The violence proved a mistake. That night, the men said they were awakened when huge stones began clomping against the outside of their cabin. And then they heard and felt giant bodies slamming against the walls and doors. The ape men were seeking revenge. The beast eventually tore a hole in the roof, allowing them to target Beck. Many of the rocks fell through a hole in the roof, and two of the rocks struck Beck, one of them rendering him unconscious for nearly two hours, the Oregonian reported. Finally, the prospector said the sun began to come up, which prompted the animals to break off their attack and slip away. The men poked their head out the door, and when they decided the coast was clear, 
ran out of the woods. In somewhat modern parlance, they put it in beef or boogie and beat feet out of the woods. Tales of giant ape men weren't exactly new to the area. Hunters, lumberjacks, and prospectors had seen massive footprints now and again over the years, and Native Americans in the area had spoken of mountain devils. But few people seriously worried about the possibility of huge unknown creatures being out there in the forest. That changed when the gold hunters returned to civilization that summer day in 1924. The dramatic story of their battle with large human-like beasts was irresistible and thus hard for people to dismiss. With news reports and word of mouth causing a local sensation, U.S. Forest Service decided to investigate. Rangers J.H. Huffman and William Welch hiked into the forest with Beck, who took them to the cliff where he said the wounded ape-man fell. A ranger scrambled down the supposedly inaccessible canyon and found nothing, the Oregonian wrote. Perhaps they carried their dead and wounded off to their lairs. Beck and the rangers continued on the, to the prospector's cabin, and Beck pointed out the large stones that had been used in the attack. Huffman and Welch were not impressed, concluding that the gold miners had probably placed the large stones themselves by the unbelief of government officials. But an Oregonian reporter asked the rangers when they returned to Kelso, Washington, what about the 14-inch long footprints near their cabin? Huffman created an imprint on the ground using the knuckles and palm of his right hand. They were made that way, he said. His government officials are cynical, too. Despite the rangers' debunking of the story, people still wanted to believe, and the tale continued to spread. Friends and acquaintances of the five men who reported their experiences are of the belief that they actually saw something which cannot be explained. The Oregonian reported later that summer. Cowlitz tribe member Frank Wanasay told a reporter about peculiar creatures the tribe's elders had often spoken about. Mr. Wanasay described them as between 9 and 10 feet tall correspondingly huge in stature, and their bodies covered with long hair. The Oregonian wrote, The report continued. They were never seen, traveling only at night. Wanasay insisted the animals were harmless. Maybe. In the years that followed, the prospector's story would be repeated time and again inspiring various sightings of and theories of the beasts. Since then, Oregonian reporter Anita Nygaard wrote in 1974, tracks have been sighted on the Lewis River, attested to by rational and honest witnesses. Occasional campers and motorists have been startled by glimpses of huge and mysterious hairy creatures walking like men, disappearing into the woods. 
Yes, the Pacific Northwest is a hotbed of Sasquatch or Bigfoot activity and reports. The reports and sightings keep coming no matter how many people say, pshaw, it's not real. There must be something to these reports since they've been coming practically since Plymouth Rock was used as a stepping stone. When I was a child, my older brother told me the story of the miners being attacked. I don't know where he got it, but he told it just like they told it there. Um, there were other stories about people being attacked and killed by these huge creatures. So, to me as a child, Bigfoot was something to be scared of. Nowadays, I'm not so much scared of it as just curious about what the thing is and where it lives and how it disappears. Is it an interdimensional being? Does it have the ability to just go out of sight? Does it have the ability to go invisible? From reports of these types of creatures around the United States and around the world, how do they go without being seen constantly? You know, news came out of Vietnam after the war there, American soldiers talking about seeing what they called rock apes in Vietnam and, and in that area of Southeast Asia. So they also saw these strange fish in the river, very long. Uh, they had top knots. Come to find out they were a particular type of fish that's in the area. So, But they thought they were dragons because they looked like it. The world is full of strangeness. Some of it is just because of humans. But... There may be stuff that we just haven't seen yet, haven't seen enough of yet, maybe. There are places that are very odd to where this strangeness finds itself drawn to. In the case of the Skinwalker Ranch, it was reported that they would see Bigfoots on the ranch in correlation to UFO sightings and that they would see things like doors opening out in the middle of the field and the Bigfoot disappearing through the doors. So yeah, it could be interdimensional. I don't know. I don't have all the answers to the universe because I am not the creator of the universe. And the creator of the universe has not seen fit to tell me everything. So, what do you think about Bigfoot? Do you think the natives of the area in the Pacific Northwest really had large hairy men living in their woods? Could be. It's just like down here in Texas. I remember seeing a black panther and the scientists say, oh no, 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 no. There are no black pumas. 
Well, I don't know that it was a puma, but it was a big black cat. So sometimes you scientists need to step back, have a Coke and a smile, and just sit down and shut up because things happen that you can't explain. That's our show for this week, and I want to thank you for listening, for being here, for coming along for the ride. I appreciate each one of you who listens. I'd love to hear from some of you. What are your thoughts on Bigfoot? What are your thoughts on these stories? Have a good week, y'all. We'll see you next time.